KCNR are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of KCNR Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell here on KCNR 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. You know, I sometimes I forget to tell people what we're doing on this show. This is a show based on my book that has been around for 20 years called Therapy in a Nutshell, and it is about my what I teach people and what I help people with in my private practice and have for over 30 years. And it's the purpose of therapy in a nutshell is to give people a springboard in which they can open up their eyes, grow, change, expand their lives, and begin to get some help. Not everybody can afford therapy or get to therapy. And this is a way for you to do some self-growth and to take a look at yourself. If anything that we ever talk about in therapy in a nutshell triggers you, makes you feel um, really bad or have a difficult time, don't be afraid to reach out for help from somebody. There's helplines, there's therapy, um, your insurance may cover therapy more than you know, or there may be help for you in support groups and things like that. So don't be afraid to grow and don't be afraid to be uncomfortable and reach out for help when you need it. That's what therapy is in a nutshell. My, my podcast and my radio show are about. So today we are going to talk about why do people lie? We talk about lying. And what's interesting is like many things that we do or don't do in our life, lying can be an insight into your psyche, an, in, an insight into who you are. So the purpose of teaching you about why people lie is not for you to bust your spouse or, you know, you know, be able to discipline your kids or whatever, although some of those things may be side benefits of learning why we lie. But it's for you to take a look at yourself. Why do you lie? Why do any of us lie? Why do people lie? So tune in, listen to this, and see where you see yourself. And if you want to jot a few notes or something on you go, yeah, I do that. That will be an insight into your soul. And that's how we start growing and changing, which is really cool. That's what we're here to do. We're here on our school to grow and to change and to evolve. So let's talk about lying. In my book, Therapy in a Nutshell, I talk about three types of lies. You can lie by omission, which is leaving something out, purposely not saying a piece of the truth so that it skews how somebody views what you're saying. You can lie by assent, which is allowing somebody to believe something that is not true. And you can lie by commission, which is actually telling a lie, telling something you know not to be true. So let's look at an example of all three of those lies. Let's say that you're a teenager and you say to your parents, can I go to the movie with my friends? And they say, okay, who are you going with? And you tell them. And they say, all right, we'll drop you off and pick you up. So they drop you off at the movie theater. And later on, they pick you up at the movie theater and they say, how was the movie? And you say, great, good. And they say, "Uh, well, what'd you like about it? And you actually tell them something that you liked. 
And they say, okay, so was it really long? Did you get bored sitting there? Or was it, did it keep your interest all the time? Oh, it was great. It was good. So in that lie, this teenager just told three types of lies. Let's say this teenager got dropped off at the movie theater, went inside, waited a little bit, walked back out, and her boyfriend picked her up in the car and took off with her, and they went off and did whatever teenagers do when they go off where they're not supposed to be. And when she came back, she walked in the movie theater, and she came walking out at the same time everybody else from that movie theater came out. And the parents, you know, where, where are your friends? Oh, they left already. They they got rides before me. So the omission is leaving out that you left the movie theater and came back. Lying by assent is she allowed her parents to believe she stayed there the whole time and watched the movie. Lying by commission is when she actually made up lies about the movie or about staying there or about how she enjoyed it when she knew that she didn't. So in that little tale, which is not unusual to bust your teenager in, right, she's lying by omission, assent, and commission. So do the parents know she's lying or not? Sometimes, sometimes not. Some of it depends on the history you have about veracity, how truthful are you normally. Sometimes it's about how bad a liar you are, and sometimes it's about whether you have a guilty conscience or whether you're able to feel remorse or grief or guilt if you tell a lie. So these are some of the things we're going to talk about today, which is why do people lie, how do they lie, and how do you know if someone's lying, and how can you begin to change your behavior? Um, If you've seen the movie Liar, Liar with Jim Carrey, I have clients watch that sometimes because it's funny, it's It's a hysterical movie, but his son makes a birthday wish that his dad can't tell a lie because he's tired of his dad lying about why he doesn't come to see him or what's happening on visits and things like that. So in this birthday wish where he says, I wish my dad couldn't lie for a whole day, the dad, Jim Carrey, ends up not being able to tell a lie for 24 hours. And it's hysterical because he figures out how much of a liar he is, for starters, but you also see when and how people lie. And it's it's a very profound movie to take a look at yourself, partly because it's funny that we look at that as funny, and partly because it gives us an insight into some of our own behavior. Now, as we're talking about lying, I'm not necessarily talking about that pathological compulsive liar. Uh, that can be a mental disorder that can be a diagnosable condition. That can be somebody that has a lot of trauma, a lot of um, emotional issues, such as possibly being a sociopath or psychopath and has no guilt or remorse for telling a lie. Um, and then sometimes it's habit energy. People start lying and they are good at it or they keep doing it and they have underlying psychological reasons for lying and then it becomes, takes on a life of its own and they lie about anything and everything. Compulsive liars will tend to lie about things they don't need to lie about. And it's amazing. So that's a whole different show. That's a whole different topic. And so I'm talking about the everyday people, normal, healthy, honest people and the lies that we tell. So let's look at the reasons that people lie, all right? 
there's there's specific reasons. And one of the ones that I see the most in my office when I see people lie, and I'm pretty good at seeing people lie, um, is they're vulnerable. People don't want to be exposed or vulnerable. And what are they vulnerable to? They're afraid they're vulnerable to embarrassment or judgment. If I tell you the truth about how I feel or think about that, you're going to judge me. They want to avoid being condemned or punished or uh, told they're wrong. Okay, so that vulnerability is one of the reasons people will not tell the truth. Let's give a tiny example about that. Let's say uh, I have a raging headache and you say, how do you feel? And I say, fine, fine, how are you? And I lied. I have a raging headache, but I don't want to look like a whiner or an invalid, or I don't want to be exposed that I'm standing here showing up for work or whatever with a raging headache. So the lie is, I'm fine, I'm fine. Okay, some people lie to get reward. They want to win, they want to be right, they want to be well thought of. Sometimes they lie to protect someone else. Sometimes they lie because they fear physical threat or harm. Um, sometimes they lie, and this is another big one that I see, to elevate their own self-esteem, to elevate who they think you think they are if they told you something bigger and better than what the truth is. Okay? Sometimes they lie to get out of awkward situations, back to the vulnerability and embarrassment thing. So we're talking about lies. Why do we lie? Why do other people lie? Why do normal, everyday, basically honest, good people tell lies? All right. When we come back, I want to t- we're going to go to break. But when we come back, I want to talk to you about some of the neuroscience of lying. What's happening in your brain when you tell a lie? We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty, and you're listening to the song Circle from Randy McGinnis' CD, The Journey. Randy McGinnis is a Native American flutist, absolutely amazing musician, uh, tons of awards, played all over the world. He has six CDs. Uh, and feel free to go to his website, randymcginnis.com, and you can check his CDs, and you can purchase them on the website. You can also listen to them on Spotify, Pandora, and you can buy his CDs on Amazon, CD Baby, all sorts of places. But he's an incredible musician, and we are very grateful that he lets us use his peaceful, lovely music on Therapy in a Nutshell. Thank you, Randy. You are awesome. All right. We're talking about lying. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the neuroscience of lying. And then in the third section of the show, I want to teach you how to tell if someone else is lying, which will also teach you to take a better look at when you're lying and what happens when you think you can lie and people really can't lie without being detected. So by the fourth section of the show, I want to teach you how to be a more honest person and maybe give up this nasty habit of telling dumb little white lies or lies to keep your face from being embarrassed or whatever. So let's talk about the neuroscience of lying. Lying happens in our brains. Everything happens in our brain, okay? So one of the basic things to remember about this is that lying happens in a different way in your brain than telling the truth. And the main reason for this is when you tell the truth, you are sequentially remembering what happened. So there's memory involved with it. And with that memory is sight, 
smell, sound, feelings, all that gets stored in your brain in a way that let you do recall. And some of this is, this recall is about safety. When you remember your path that you're walking and you remember the trees and the sound of the creek and whatever, or the saber-toothed tiger roaring on the rock, whatever, think back to prehistoric times, those are safety things. It helps you remember what the truth is, and all of that is based in a part in your brain that allows recall. Sometimes people say if someone's telling a lie, they have a really hard time telling it backwards, telling the story backwards because they have trouble sequentially remembering what they said. So lying is stored in a different part of your brain. You are making up a story. You're throwing in emotions for it. And you're in a different part of your brain. When you lie, your amygdala, which is your fight or flight center of your brain, your amygdala is about keeping you safe. So when you're lying, your amygdala is kind of firing because you're lying because you feel unsafe for some reason. Why else would you lie? You want to save face. You want to keep from being judged. You're afraid of physical threat or emotional threat. So you're lying. Your amygdala is firing because you feel in danger. Then the anterior cingulate cortex, cingulate cortex, the ACC, is also part of your brain that starts to fire when you lie. And the thalamus lights up and the caudate. So there's parts of your brain that light up, that don't light up as much when you're telling the truth. Now, your prefrontal cortex, which is the front where your forehead is, basically, is what we use for emotion. It's used for emotional regulation. It's control. It's what uh, we deal with when we have conflict. And we're, we're trying to control our emotions. So when you're lying, your prefrontal cortex is acting a lot. So it lights up a lot. So it's interesting. When someone's telling the truth and they're in an MRI or they're in something that registers the energy pattern, like a PET scan of their brain or SPEC scan, they will get energy lit up in different parts. When you're lying, a whole lot of your brain lights up because it takes lights up because it takes a lot of you to tell a lie. When you're telling the truth, it's much more focused. So this is one of the reasons that they developed a lie detector test, which is not without its problems. So lie detector tests are not 100%. But when people lie, it creates physical stress on them. Their heart rate goes up, their blood pressure goes up, breathing accelerates, anxiety goes up, Even minute amounts of sweating can happen, and that's why the lie detector checks all these things. Now, the lie detector will try to get a baseline of the activity in your body and the activity that you're showing, you know, that you're doing, that your brain is triggering is basically what's happening. And it will get baseline data of how do you feel when you're talking about normal everyday stuff, your name, where you live, things that don't create anxiety for you. And as soon as you start lying and you flip into your amygdala, you can't help that your amygdala kicks out adrenaline, cortisol, increases your breathing, stops your digestion, uh, gets you ready to run, uh, increases your heart rate. When you're in your amygdala, that's its job. And your amygdala doesn't stop to think, is this reasonable or not? Ooh, I don't want to do that. Keep your breathing down. Don't get your heart rate up. And... 
You can't control that stuff if you are a normal, everyday person. Now, there are trained professionals who learn how to control their heart rate, their breathing. They can keep their blood pressure down. If somebody feels absolutely no threat, no emotion, no anything because they're a sociopath or psychopath and they've really worked at not feeling that, can they beat a lie detector test? Yes, you can. So it isn't fail-safe, but the everyday average person, when they start to lie and those parts of their brain become part of the behavior of lying, they can't stop those things from happening. And a lie detector test can determine those happening on a minute basis. So your heart rate goes up just a little. Blood pressure goes up just a little. Palms of your hands start sweating just a little because you're in your amygdala and you're trying real hard to not look nervous or anxious and to answer really straightforward. Your brain knows your line. And your brain will do those things from those centers of the brain that will make it so you're busted. Now, I'm not talking so much about you've committed a crime and the police have you on a lie detector test. I'm talking about you being a kid and a teenager talking to your parents or um, you went and met your ex-boyfriend for coffee and your spouse says, well, how was your day? Good, good, good. Do anything unusual? Nope, nope. Went to work, came home. Yeah. Uh, and you're automatically in your other parts of your brain. You're thinking about, okay, what if? What if he saw me in Starbucks? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm right. Well, I'll just tell him that uh, I ran into him. I'll, that's it. That's what I'll say. You're already in different parts of your brain, and you're going to start having a stress reaction, even if it's minute. So our brains betray us with our truth. So you might as well learn how to tell your truth rather than lie. Ha. Ah, we're going to get to that by the last part of the show. All right. So when you tell the truth... Your brain shows you're telling the truth. There is a sequential kind of story. Your brain, your emotions match what happened. You are not having to think ahead and evaluate. See, in, in a lie, we are automatically doing consequence evaluation. That's the word I think of in my head. You automatically are thinking, Okay, well, if I get caught lying, what should I say? Uh, I could say this. Oh, no, I could, I could tell him that happened. Well, I might as well, I could just say. That's consequence evaluation. If I get caught telling this lie, how will I cover this lie with another lie? If I said the truth, I do have a headache, I'm not feeling fine, what would happen? What's the consequence of that? Would I look like an idiot? Would I look vulnerable? Would I look like a whiny, baby, sick person? Uh, what's the consequence of me telling the truth or telling a lie? And your brain is scrambling to find the answers to all of that. That shows on your face. It shows with your behavior. It shows with a whole lot of body language that lets you know how that somebody watching you that knows what they're looking for knows that you are suffering inside on even a little bit of a level. So... Lies overemphasize truthfulness. Okay? So when you are trying to not be truthful because you have done a consequence evaluation that if you tell the truth, 
something's going to happen, and your brain has already gone down the list of possible consequences, you have decided that the lie is going to overemphasize what's happening so that the truth gets covered up better. Let me give you an example. Here's a real typical one that people lie about. They're going to be late for work, all right? So they're they're going, oh, gosh, I'm going to be late. Oh, God, all right, fine. God, 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 i got to get there. And your brain's automatically thinking about, oh, if I'm late again, or I'm going to look like I'm unprofessional, or what are they going to think of me that I walk in there late? Darn it, gosh, why didn't I get up on time? Um, why did I take so long sitting there staring at my phone? Ugh, I shouldn't have answered that phone call. Um, I shouldn't have had the second cup of coffee. No, it was the third cup of coffee. Your brain's going through all this stuff. So immediately, some people will start thinking, well, I'll just, I'll just tell them that um, the power went out in my house. Uh, no, no, that might not work. Okay, I'll just tell them when I was trying to get to work, I got to the railroad tracks, and a train was coming, and the train stopped right on the railroad tracks, and I couldn't get by it. Yeah, yeah, that'll work. Okay, I'll just tell them I got stuck by the train. Or maybe I should tell them that my battery died. No, I, I used that one the last time I was late. Huh. This is what your brain's going through, these contortions, these trying to figure out what's the lie you should tell. And when you walk into the meeting late or to the whatever, the office late, and you start throwing out your lies, it looks like a lie. And we're going to go to break. And when we come back from this break, I'm going to tell you what are the things that happen when you tell that lie instead of telling the truth, which was, I couldn't get my ass out of bed. I drank a third cup of coffee, and I stared at my phone too long, and I took forever getting out the door, and I am so sorry I'm late. I should not have been, and it was really irresponsible of me to do all that, and I'll try not to let it happen again. Hear the difference in the truth and what happens in your brain in the lie? You don't even have to make up the truth. You know exactly what it was, and it comes out much easier. When we come back from break, I'm going to teach you how to tell when somebody's lying. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty, and you're listening to the song Hope from Randy McGinnis' CD, The Journey. You can go to Randy McGinnis on Spotify, Pandora, and you can listen to his music. He has his own YouTube channel as well. So, love that didgeridoo in the beginning. <laughs> My producer, Jared's smiling. He knows I love that song. Okay, we're talking about lying. So... I want to teach you how to tell if someone is lying. Now, here's the interesting thing. This is not 100%. Just because somebody does some of these behaviors does not mean that they are necessarily lying. You have to have kind of a baseline for people on how they behave when they're not lying in order to tell if they are lying. It's one of the reasons why in my office when I'm sitting in front of a client, I almost always know when I'm making them uncomfortable Okay, so uncomfortable does not necessarily mean they're lying, but it can mean that they're feeling vulnerable. I'm talking about emotions that they're feeling or I'm getting too close to a subject that they've been trying to avoid or it's traumatic for them. And they will go into certain behaviors that let me know they are uncomfortable. Now, I'm smart this way. I do not automatically assume, oh, they're telling me a lie. No, I say, hmm. I wonder what I've said that makes them uncomfortable. And I will just either take note of that and 
file that in the back of my steel trap memory, which happens to serve me well. Or I will ask them sometimes. Sometimes I'll say to a client, my question made you really uncomfortable. Can you tell me what you're feeling about that? Or can you tell me why that made you uncomfortable? And it opens up a doorway to what's really going on inside. It is a window into them. And that's what I'm looking for when I'm trying to help someone in therapy. So these are some of the behaviors that we can see. One of the things that we see most often when people are lying is they'll overemphasize their truthfulness. They add words or phrases to make them sound more convincing. Uh, to tell you the truth, I'll be totally honest with you. Um, you know, I'm, I wouldn't lie to you. I'll tell you the truth. It's like this. These are the facts. And they'll get all authoritarian and they'll be overemphasizing their truthfulness. Now, let me tell you something else that I see with that. I see people with habit energy for saying that. I had a client that every time he threw out something that he felt or that his wife did or whatever, he would say, nine out of ten people would tell you that all women do this. Or nine out of ten people would tell you that they hate doing the dishes. Or And he'd pull up some fact that tried to make it sound like he was an authoritative resource on this thing. And it was obnoxious that he said it constantly. But he, I busted him on it. I said, why do you throw out that 9 out of 10 people thing? What are you trying to do? And he just looked at me like, what? He, he was almost unconscious that he put that into all his speech. There's other people that say anytime they're uncomfortable, they're talking about emotional stuff in their marriage or with their kids or emotional stuff with their own feelings of failure, they'll, they'll always start a sentence with, I'll be honest with you. And it's habit energy that they do that. And it's also based on insecurity. So is it based on just that the person is lying? Not necessarily. But it is based on, I want to emphasize to you that I have some credibility and I don't want you to think badly of me and I'm questioning myself. So it's based on some insecurity when people do that. That overemphasizing and that trying to convince you that they're right. The other thing that people do in their line is they'll make sweeping statements. You know, all people think or everybody that does that is an idiot or something like that. They also tend to hedge. Well, as far as I can remember, I never did that. Or I I don't know. I, I don't think I ever did that. They'll have kind of a hedging sort of thing. Or they'll get very emphatic. They will skip contractions like, I didn't do that. They'll say, I did not do that. And they'll get emphatic and emphasizing and skipping contractions and get very sharp with their words. Another sign that somebody is uncomfortable or lying is they'll dodge the question and they'll go off on some other tangent. So you ask your teenager a pointed question. Did you go to the movies and did you stay there the entire time with the friends you told us you were going with? Well, you know, it was a good movie, Mom, and it, you know, I, I, they're dodging the question, okay? Defensive. Defensive is where people pull up what I call the yeah, but you's. So they get defensive and go, yeah, but the other day you said, or yeah, but you've done that before. And I see that in marriages 
all the time in my couple's work. Yabbit yous is what I call that. And they start to call it that with each other. So if you are working to be a more communicative person, you don't throw in a yabbit you. All right. That's defensive. And it often means you're uncomfortable and either you're lying or you're simply uncomfortable and trying to evade. All right, so deflecting or evading. I don't want to answer that question. I'm going to deflect it off onto something else. Um, that can be covering up a lie or it can be covering up discomfort. Focusing on insignificant details. A person might want to refocus you off of the exact question that you asked by focusing on insignificant details that take you down some rabbit path that make you forget what you're asking. The other thing when people lie is they often give too much information. Way too much information. When I teach therapists and interns and things like that how to testify, I tell them what attorneys wish they would do on the stand. Ask, answer what is asked and nothing more. And a lot of people just don't do that on the stand. They start filling in a whole lot of blanks. So when you are telling the truth, you have a tendency to answer what is asked. Did you go to the movies? Yeah, I went to the movies. Did you stay there the whole time? Yes. Did you stay with your friends? Yes, except for when my boyfriend showed up, I went and sat with him in the back. That might be the truth, right? If she had stayed at the movies. Okay, so too much information, all these kind of things will are attempts to cover up that vulnerable feeling and can be a sign of insecurity or a sign that someone's lying. So, It gets back to one of my main points. One of the reasons people lie is they're trying to cover up threat, vulnerability, insecurity. When somebody tells you that the fish they caught is this big, not this big, they don't want to look like a bad fisherman or like they wasted the whole day out there doing nothing or they want to look like they're, you know, the king of the mountain, whatever. So why do people tell the fish story? And that's a metaphor for why do we make things bigger and better more often? Why do we try to make ourselves look better? It's based on insecurity. Why do we tell a lie when we are not wanting them to know why we were really late for work? Because we don't want to look like an idiot who sat there and drank three cups of coffee, got up late, and stared at their phone. You want to look like you're professional and with it. And it was the train's fault. Okay, so body language. There's a trying to hold back feeling. There's a glancing toward the exit. People's feet will tend to be turned toward the exit, toward the door. Um, Hand gestures when someone is lying often come after they speak. Their hand gestures don't match their words and don't flow as easily with their thought process. Uh, Of course, nervous and anxious. Sometimes people try to cover up their lying by making intense eye contact. Intense eye contact doesn't look like normal eye contact. There's no blinking. There's a hard stare. um, There's no glancing away in a normal manner. There's nervous, subtle, shifting, glancing away. And then there's that weird, hard stare that says, look at me. I'm telling you the truth. I'm maintaining eye contact. There's also unconscious gestures. When you are uncomfortable, you will touch or cover up the part of you that is feeling threatened. If I'm asking you a question in my office, you're my client, and your heart has been wounded, you might unconsciously put your hand to your heart or cover up your throat. When you protect your throat, you are unconsciously telling me there are things I do not want to say out loud. When you're protecting your heart, you're crossing your arms or your 
you know, making a shoulder forward gesture, that, which is a heart protection gesture, you're telling me I feel vulnerable and this is scary and this breaks my heart. Uh, I see people that will all of a sudden cross their legs or raise their knee up kind of in front of them and hold on. It's an unconscious protect my genitals message, which says I feel threatened, vulnerable, and like I could be harmed. Okay. So those unconscious gestures to protect your body are indications of discomfort and possibly lying. Your tone of voice when you're lying often gets higher, like, no, I didn't do that, okay, instead of, no, I didn't go there, okay. Stalling, that kind of, um, uh, let me think, um, let's see, what did I do, that kind of stalling. Can't remember the detail or the order of things that happened. And the kind of line of you're making up stuff and then you're kind of reaffirming your own line, like, yeah, yeah, the, the train, it just sat there. Yeah, that was it. The train just sat there for a long time and maybe late. So you have to get a basis for behavior on what do they look like when they're telling you the truth? So from my perspective as a psychologist in the office doing therapy with somebody, and I've been talking to them for a while, getting to know them. They've, I've listened to stories about their kids or their life or what they do for a living. I unconsciously and consciously get a real baseline of behavior for how you talk when you're comfortable. And then when you start talking to me about things you're vulnerable about, vulnerable about or questions that I ask you or stories you start telling me about trauma or discomfort or heartache, you are going to unconsciously do the body movements that say, I am uncomfortable. Uncomfortable is not always lying, but uncomfortable can be evasive. And at some point, evasive can become lying. Let me, let me give you a good example. I might ask a client, so how much does alcohol play in your coping mechanisms and you're trying not to feel? Because they might have said to me, you know, I, I'm just upset that I end up coming home and having to have a glass of wine. And my initial impression looking at their behavior is they're minimizing. So I'll say, well, how much exactly does alcohol present? All of a sudden, the unconscious, uncomfortable gestures start. And I might hear, um, well, gosh, I don't know. Well, it usually, I just have a glass of wine. But sometimes, all right, all right, it's usually two or three. I'll say, so when you down that first one and it doesn't count, and then you're going to sip on the second and third, do you count that as one glass of wine? And are you pouring 12 ounces in that glass? Or is it a wine pour, which is six ounces? And they get real uncomfortable. They start fidgeting around, and they look at me, and then they might say, yeah, I'm really worried about it. And when they tell their truth, all of a sudden their shoulders drop, their body relaxes, they're not fidgeting anymore, they're looking at me and going, yeah, I am coping a lot with that bottle of wine when I get home. So the, I have a glass of wine and I worry about it, was the truth, but it was an evasion. And their body language did not match what they said. So I automatically, I'm not quizzing, I'm not, you know, I'm not like a drill sergeant getting in there. But I know how to get someone to tell me the rest of the truth. Because then I can help you when you tell me the truth. I can help you when you tell me, oh, you know, I drink one glass of wine a week. And that's not the truth at all. I can't help you. So evasion, 
feel fearful that you're going to be judged, lying doesn't get you where you want to go. It just doesn't. So we're going to go to break. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about how to do this differently so that you become a better person. You like yourself more and people begin to see your veracity, your honesty with a lot of respect for who. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, Dr. Patty, and we are talking about lying. So let's talk about how can you begin to recognize your own tendency to lie. The purpose of this show is to give us a window into ourselves. It's not for you to go home and fix your spouse or whatever, and it might help you parent your kids better. But the purpose of this is for you to take a look at yourself. When do you tend to lie? When do you tend to tell the truth? I don't know if there's anybody that never lies. I, I'm really good at not lying. I tend to be radically honest. But if you ask me, do I like that dress and I think it's hideous, I will most likely try to find a way to tell you that it's, I love the color on you or something like that. I'll try to tell you a truthful part. But if you push me for my exact truth, I will most likely tell you I don't think it's your most flattering outfit. But I also will know when to practice silence and keep my mouth shut. But have I been ever told a white lie? Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I have. I I do occasionally. But I would say I tend, at this stage of my life, I tend to not do that. Um, but I'm not perfect at it, and I don't think anybody is. But we're talking about you taking a look at yourself and starting to figure out how how do I want to be a more honest person? One thing you can do is you can listen to my podcast on radical honesty. Go to Therapy in a Nutshell podcast, Dr. Patricia Bay, and look for the show on radical honesty. And it'll really teach you some basic things I'm going to teach you here, but it'll go on about it more. So the first thing about telling the truth or starting to be more honest is to recognize when you lie and why you lie. Okay, so the next time a lie pops out of your mouth, stop and say, what was my motivation for lying? Was I trying to protect myself? Did I not want to be embarrassed or look like an idiot? Was I afraid I would be judged? Am I trying to overemphasize who I am so that I look more, more, more intelligent, more rich, more experienced, more professional, uh, more something? Do I need to look suave and debonair? What is my motivation for why I'm lying? When you understand what your motivation tends to be when you lie, it will be a huge insight into your soul. So let's say you're coming home from work and you call home and you say, I'm heading home from work. And your spouse goes, well, why are you so late? I thought you were going to be here 20 minutes ago. Oh, uh, and you're automatically starting to figure out a lie. Or that same example we talked about, you're going to be late for the meeting, late for work, and you're automatically trying to figure out a way that you don't look like the idiot. What if you stopped and said, why would I lie about that? Are you afraid your spouse is going to be demeaning, judgmental, put you down, tell you uh, you can't organize your time and you're leaving me here making dinner and messing it up? What are you afraid is going to happen? And What is your motivation for telling that lie? 
So when you figure out your motivation, that's a real insight into your soul. So let's look at the idea when we lie because we're afraid of being vulnerable in some way. Okay? In a lot of ways, we can look vulnerable, even to the point we're afraid of physical threat or some personality disordered person really giving us a hard time. What would happen if you stopped and said, I'm about to tell a lie in your head, and you said, no, I'm not going to tell a lie. And what you do is you tell the truth. So let's go back to that example of you left the house late for all those reasons. You're late for the meeting, and you're, you were thinking up things to tell them on the way there. Uh, the train, the dead battery, oh my, it wasn't my fault, it wasn't my fault. What if you walked in? And said different versions. Let me tell you, let me tell you how, and I want you to notice the progression of this. I could tell you all kinds of lies about why, why I'm late, but the truth is, I couldn't get my ass out the door. Okay, that's pretty straight up, right? Okay, but I want you to hear the vulnerability in that. I could tell you all kinds of lies about why I'm late, but it's a little bit of a window into your soul, alright? Then there is, the hesitancy, I'm going to tell you the truth, but I'm hesitant to do it. Okay, the truth of why I'm late is, oh, I don't want to tell you this because I'm going to look like an idiot. Hear the hesitancy? There's vulnerability in that truth-telling. Now, already we are more truthful than telling the train, the battery, and all those stupid stories that were lies. But this truth still shows some hesitancy. What if you did a vulnerable, straight-up truth-telling. You walk in the door late for work, and you say, I apologize for being late. It's not like me. I could not get my butt out the door this morning, and it made me late, and I apologize. Listen to all those versions of telling that truth. The last one is straight across. It comes forward with confidence. It's has ownership to it. It has amends to it. I am late and I apologize. It might even be that simple. What if you don't always have to have an excuse? What if you say, I am late and I apologize. I don't have a good excuse. But I apologize. It's not like me and I'll try not to make it happen again. Sometimes, we feel compelled to give more information than is necessary. So let's go to something that people lie about a lot. Hey, I'm having a barbecue this Saturday. I'd love for you to come. Do you want to come? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. And you're thinking in your head, no way. I hate those things. Or the last time I went, it was horrible. Or, oh, what I really want to do is sit home and watch Netflix. But you don't want to say any of that because you feel like it makes you look like an idiot or you're going to hurt their feelings or you're trying to preserve your own face. You know, you don't want to look embarrassed. What if you said, oh, thank you so much. I appreciate your invitation, but I can't make it. Do you have to go on and explain? People feel, especially when they're lying, they feel compelled to over-explain. Now, if the person says to you, oh, why can't you make it? The truth might be, I really need to stay home Saturday. And I, I don't want to make up some kind of lie of why I need to stay home, but I really do. But thank you so much for your invitation. There's your truth. You didn't feel compelled to make up some 
version of something that would save face for you. But you didn't give over information either. So sometimes telling the truth is as simple as stopping and saying, what is my truth here? Now, let's say the person says, hey, I'm having a barbecue Saturday. I'd love for you to come. And you're thinking, uh, do I want to go? Well, I sort of go, need want to go. I should get out. God, I've been so cooped up. Oh, I need to get out. I need to be more social. Oh, I don't really want to go. I want to sit home and watch Netflix. Uh, I don't know what my answer is. What if you looked at them and told them that truth? Wow. Thank you for the invite. Let me get back to you on that because I don't know yet. I'll get back to you. Can I email you? Can I text you and tell you if I can make it? And then you figure out what your truth is. Do you want to go to the party? Do you need to go to the party? Should you go to the party? Do you want to stay home? What is your truth? And then when you go to tell them what your truth is, don't lie. But if you don't want to be super vulnerable and tell them, I'm a couch potato and I want to sit there and watch Netflix, that's your own business. You don't have to tell all of that. It is okay for you not to give extensive information about your personal functioning, your thoughts, what you believe, your politics, your whatever. You don't have to spout your whole truth all the time. Sometimes you can stand in silence and still be standing in your truth. Now, if you offer up a whole bunch of lies for that, now you're not standing in your truth. You're making up stories for all those vulnerable reasons we were talking about. So there's a couple of my podcasts you can listen to. One of them is Radical Honesty, which will talk a lot about this whole subject. The other one is standing in your truth. When you don't know what your truth is, and your truth is some version of what you think that person wants or needs to hear, either about whether it's a nice dress on them, or whether you can go to the party, or why you were late for work, or did you stay at the whole movie, or are you still with your boyfriend, or have you ever had an abortion, or questions that you don't want to answer. Stop and say, what is my truth? And if you don't know how to do that, my podcast, Standing in Your Truth, will help you learn the steps on how to stand in your truth and how to answer yourself first so you know what the truth is. Because some people spit out a lie long before they know what their truth is. So let's say somebody asks you a really hard question that you don't want to answer. Uh, have you ever taken an antidepressant? Have you had a, ever had an abortion? Um, have you ever been divorced? Have you ever cheated on somebody? Questions that make people really embarrassed because they feel it is a reflection on their character. Let's say your truth is, I don't want to answer that, and I can't believe you asked that question. Maybe the answer is to look at them and say, that's not something I'm real comfortable talking about. That's a... Wow, I can't believe you'd ask somebody that question. Maybe that's your truth. You don't have to answer the question. You don't have to lie. And it doesn't mean that that means you have ever done the things that they're asking you about. You can say those are questions that I don't have. Those are things I don't talk about in casual conversation. Do you? Okay. So what I want you to look at is when we lie... It is a window into our own soul. It is a window into who we are and where we are insecure. And if you want to grow and evolve and become a more respected person, somebody who has that kind of, I tell the truth and people believe me, that's really a cool thing. So take a look at this. 
How do you lie? What are your motivations for lying? Next time you catch yourself in a lie, ask yourself why. Why did you lie? If you catch your teenager or your child in a lie, be looking at the underlying motivation. Are they frightened? Are they afraid of being disciplined or inappropriately punished? Is it an insight into their soul? And help them grow. Help yourself grow. So I hope you've gotten something out of this about learning of why people lie, what that's about. Listen to my podcast on radical honesty and standing in your truth. And feel free to share the podcast with anybody that you think it might help. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you've been listening to Therapy in a Nutshell, where I just want to help heal the world one hour at a time. The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta Regional Medical Center.